0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang. We are so excited to be doing our first, our first full episode as the new hosts of this podcast, taken over from Eugene Repay and Chris Stanzial, as you might have caught from last week's episode. Pat, how's it going? We're going to do our non-conference schedule breakdown today, and we're super excited about it.
1: And if you haven't caught it, now you know. (laughs) Exactly. So, no, very excited to be back here and really start getting into things and getting into the nitty-gritty of of Villanova basketball season. We are pumped to bring some non-conference play uh, and go through all these different opponents. A really stacked non-conference schedule this year, which is going to be super excited for everyone and just just pumped to kick things off.
0: Totally. And we gave a little bit of a a roadmap, excuse me. A little bit in our first episode of what exactly we were going to do throughout the entire season, really. But we wanted to give Eugene and Chris the full stage to say Mm -hmm. their goodbyes after six seasons and 170 episodes, like they mentioned, which is just crazy. So we're so excited to be taking over for them, but looking ahead to this season, we're going to do this non-conference schedule breakdown today. The, the regular conference, the Big East conference breakdown on Thursday. And then as we get into these games, it's going to be actually really simple and very intuitive previewing games on Tuesday and recapping games on Thursdays. The schedule really works into our favor like that. As we mentioned, we might do some live game recaps. We might do some live streams during games because there are going to be a lot of really fun games to watch down the stretch in a hopefully very competitive, very fun season. And then, you know, we know, Villanova has very high expectations on this season. Hopefully a final four run. We're just going to put as much content as we can out there. Got <laughs> some great guests. And hopefully you are on this ride with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you put it perfectly there. And then for the first game too, when that episode does drop on November 9th, we can go through our Villanova team preview as well and really focus on, you know, the Villanova players. Cause we're going to tease you with everything else of who they're playing first. <laughs> and then we'll get into the team uh, next week and get you ready for game day, which is going to be awesome
0: crazy that it's finally here, right? You just said, get you ready for game day. That's the mm-hmm. first time that it's really stuck in my head. We're November
1: 9th, we are a week away from kicking things off at the Finnerin Pavilion.
0: Man. All right. Well, talking about tipping things off, should we get into the first opponent?
1: Oh, perfect transition. Let's do it.
0: Thank you. I'm working on my segues. You know, <laughs> the big point of pride for me. All right. So let's get right into it. First game at home at the Finnerin Pavilion. Hopefully the first game in a really relatively normal season. I'm still Mm going to put the relatively in front of it, but everybody knows how abnormal the COVID season was last year. A ton of programs, some that we'll actually talk about. Yes. Just couldn't get things going because there were so many cancellations and breakouts and it's so hard to build team chemistry on the one hand and also stay in basketball shape. So hopefully this year we will not have any of those sort of breakups to the season. But as Pat mentioned, tip off the Wildcats. Welcome in Mount St. Mary's of the NEC conference. I actually found a lot of really cool nuggets on Mount Mm St. Mary's. I know you did too, and I'm excited to talk about them. But I'll just start, and then I'll throw it to you. They won the NEC tournament last year to Mm -hmm. earn a bid to the NCAA tournament. And that was actually their third bid over the last eight seasons. So if you remember, all the the loyal fans out there, Villanova actually played Mount St. Mary's in the first round of the of the tournament in 2017 Villanova stomped them by 20 but I think this could be a kind of a, a go a good matchup going into the first game of the season
1: yeah listen St. Mary's is, is not going to be a complete pushover that that is for sure as you said winning the the Northeast Conference they were 12 and 11 a year ago they lost to Texas Southern in the first four who eventually went on to lose to Michigan What they do well is defense, which I think will be very interesting to see how Villanova adjusts to that contested shots. They were 10th in the country in effective field goal percentage allowed a year ago. They held opponents to just 31% from three, which is 29th best in the country. They can defend a little bit. So for Villanova, I think it's going to be very interesting to see because that offense is going to change. We know a lot of that offense ran through Jeremiah Robinson. Of course, Colin Gillespie is back. So they're going to get a little bit of a different look and they get it with a tough defensive team
0: and you can be 100% sure that their head coach and their entire coaching staff is circling that three-point field goal percentage mm. that you just mentioned because that is Villanova's biggest strength and it has yep. been for years. So I have a crazy stat from CJ Holmes who hopefully, tease, tease will be making an appearance on the podcast we at some CJ. point this season. He is the, the Villanova beat writer for The Athletic, of course. Mount St. Mary's ranked last in the NEC in scoring offense last year. But they ranked first in scoring defense, <laughs> field goal percentage defense, block shots and rebound margin, and they were second in the NEC in three-point field goal percentage defense, which Pat just mentioned. So I see our
1: stats lined up with each other. (laughs) Exactly.
0: They might have a hard time putting points up on the board. And I'm sure you and I both agree this one probably won't be close, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's one that the cats can really look over. This team could really bring it on defense and it's going to be a nice test to see how Nova's offense stacks up against a really high caliber defense that could make it into the tournament again this upcoming year.
1: No, what Mount St. Mary's is going to try to do here is turn it into a, into a rock fight. That's exactly what they're going to try to do and try to grind these things out. As you said, you you put it perfectly. Where I was going next was then the offensive numbers. The offensive numbers are not pretty. I mean, we think we think about Villanova as a very slow tempo team. You know, nothing like the Creations that we'll see of the world.
0: The St. John's.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mount St. Mary's was 356th in the country in offensive tempo last year wow. and and over 300th in offense offensive efficiency. I'm getting my offensives uh, mixed up as I go through this. Um, it's not a pretty team uh, on offense. And on top of that, they lost their best score. Damian Chongqi transferred to Purdue. He was averaging over 15 points per game a year ago. So don't expect a lot of points from Mount St. Mary's. But as we said, defensively, they're going to work on grinding this thing out.
0: And there have definitely been points in the past few years was where Villanova has struggled when the other team controlled the tempo. Mm -hmm. So as long as Villanova plays its game, they take control from the tip, which I think they can do, put some points up on the board. You're not going to see a lot of fast breaks from St. Mary's. No, I think you put it perfectly. It's going to be a rock fight and it's going to be which offense can really break away. And I think Villanova is primed to do that relatively easily.
1: Yeah. Other thing to look at, they don't have a a massive front court with, say, like a, mm-hmm. a 6'11 or 7 footer, but they do have some tall forwards. Uh, their top re- returning score is Nana Opoku, 6'9", a redshirt senior, 10 points per game, 7 rebounds per game two blocks per game from a year ago, which is very interesting. He was actually the NEC defensive player of the year. Also Malik Jefferson, also six nine, featured very heavily and is a very strong offensive rebounder. So as we said, no, if Villanova's offense is clicking here, this should not be much of a game. But Mount St. Mary's does have a couple pieces which can give the Cats some trouble.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And obviously we're excited for this game because it's the first game of the season, but I think you could separate this non-conference schedule as a whole into a couple of different tiers mm-hmm. and the UCLAs and the Tennessees and the Syracuses being at the top. I don't put Mount St. Mary's at the bottom at all. I think no. this is a, no, definitely a not pretty high caliber offense and defense to be going up against and it's a good pressure point a good temperature for the cats to take and any team that has bigs i am so anxious to see how eric dixon is going to match up against them so Uh, i'm excited to see that that's kind
1: of exactly where i was going with the two six nine uh forwards that feature pretty heavily for them that's what people want to see for villanova is how do they deal with good interior play and mount st mary's has a chance to to show you some of that
0: yeah i'm excited for it i think i'm sure i mean you can say it but Villanova is going to win pretty easily, but I don't know if we're separating into blowout wins versus normal wins, if we're going to see any bench players, some some walk-on players, Kevin Voigt. I mean, not sure if it's going to be a Kevin Voigt game, first game of the season.
1: Yeah, I'm you know, I'm not sure how pretty this game is going to be. Just with it being the first game of the season, I'm not sure Villanova is going to be able to come out in that rhythm that we really like to see the Cats settle into. We know how good they are usually in November, but that first game, you know, especially against a tough defensive team, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, full-on machine Villanova yet. It's a good test. It, it really is. If things go well, yes, Mount St. Mary's will not be able to keep up scoring-wise whatsoever, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. It's an intriguing matchup.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way and it's going to be the first time we get to see Colin. Yes. Coming off of the 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 big MCL injury and surgery and it seems like everything has gone off without a hitch. Speaking to him, he is fully confident in his abilities, but this will be the first time we see him in real game action. Yes. So it'll be fun to see how he looks at full game speed.
1: Also referencing him though, because that's a great point, was able to watch Hoops Mania on uh, last Friday, which, oh, was, yeah, how which was, that? was great that they live streamed it. I hope many people listening to this were able to watch it. Gillespie was not wearing a brace on that knee, which he did wear during the blue and white scrimmage. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, is he going without the brace? Was it just because, you know, it, it was less tempo, even then blue and white trying to go through a hoops mania scrimmage. I'm very interested to see how that comes out. Of course, we'll be following it throughout the year, but they, they all got came out of it healthy and that's, what's important.
0: (laughs) Definitely. That is the most important thing. That's actually a really interesting thing to notice too, because I've definitely heard people say that those things can be kind of, it was a huge
1: brace during the blue and white. It was huge. huge So, um, you know, just something to follow as we go. I
0: like that. Very observant of you, Pat. (laughs) Thank you. All right, let's go into the matchup that everyone really cares about oh, and the wants big to one. see. The big one. Friday night, unfortunately, it is at 11.30 p.m. Pat, this is one of the first things we said when we got introduced as the new hosts. First thing we said is, how are we going to stay up for this game? <laughs> I mean,
1: week one is bizarre. Game one is at 4.30 on a Tuesday. And week two is 1130 on a Friday. Yeah,
0: it's an odd, an odd way to ease us into the basketball season, but we'll sleep in May. We'll sleep in May,
1: as John Rothstein says. Yes,
0: so we'll, we'll do the same thing here. UCLA is ranked the second team overall. They're obviously coming off their magical final four appearance. The best moment. Actually, no, I. Oh, definitely. Yes, need to take be, that careful, back.
1: be careful what you say there.
0: <laughs> Second best college basketball moment was that Jill and Suggs buzzer well, beater. The Christian Leitner is
1: very upset about that. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> first being Jenkins. Um, I have a lot of really awesome numbers on Johnny Juzang because mm. I think he's the highlight here. He is. But I also want to give credit to the other players on UCLA who made this streak happen. And as much you can say about him and his his controversies and his personality, Mick Cronin's team is going to do some really dangerous
1: things this year. Uh, You go to Mick Cronin, who is exactly who I was going to focus on. So just looking at them, 22 and 10 a year ago from first four to final four in the tournament wins over Michigan State, BYU, Abilene Christian, Alabama, and Michigan. Of course, the all-time great game against Gonzaga where they did lose. Mick Cronin has made the NCAA tournament from 2011 to 2019, missed it in his first year at UCLA, but these are the records that Cronin has had since 2017, just to focus on him. First the first three years are at Cincinnati, the next two are at UCLA. 30 and 6, 31 and 5, 28 and 7, 19 and 12, 22 and 10 crown is one of the best coaches in the country. I was just U- going
0: to say UCLA yeah. is hot
1: right now. <laughs> this is going to be, uh, oh, this, this is your popcorn game. I wish the timing was better for us on the East coast, but wow. Is this an exciting matchup?
0: There are just so many stars too. And it's mm-hmm. the momentum that both teams are coming off of because I mean, we have the Baylor game to talk about, which is so exciting. You're
1: defending but, national champion.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the Villanova was calling Gillespie away from beating Baylor mm-hmm. and, and making it into that game, and UCLA was a miraculous Jalen Suggs miss away from making it into that title game as well. So, it's ex- it's exceptional what UCLA was able to do last year. They were down 14 in the first four game, and they quite yep. literally did not overtime look back.
1: game. Yeah, it's incredible. And then, uh, you know, you reference CJ Holmes in the Athletic. I give you another thing from the Athletic. According to them and their rankings, UCLA has the number one guard and the number one wing in the entire country in Juzang and Jaquez Jr. Yep. Just, just to show you how stacked this team is, they've also got a five-star coming in, I believe. Uh, yes, Peyton Watson, who is a five-star small forward. Uh, <laughs> this UCLA team is absolutely stacked. Uh, Juzang averaged 23 points per game in six tournament games. Jaquez... Averaged 15, 6, and 3 in those six tournament games. Also shot 45% from 3. I, I know UCLA, you know, it's not a team too many people have really thought about over the past couple of years before yeah. last year's run. They return almost everyone. Juzang absolutely could have gone to the NBA. He didn't. Uh, Juzang's also more, more interesting to watch. In, in this game, too, because remember, he could have been a Villanova Wildcat Villanova recruited mm. him. He chose another Wildcats and going to Kentucky before transferring to UCLA. So it gives you a little bit of what could have been there. Um, this is the game I think we're all circling and, and really excited for. They only lose two players, really, that featured from a year ago. Um, yeah. This is big.
0: they Experience now, we know that po- that experience wins in mm-hmm. the, I was going to say the postseason, in the tournament. We got too much baseball in our mind. <laughs> Tiger Campbell, they've got a Rutgers transfer in Miles Johnson. If you yes. have to circle one thing that was a weakness for this team last year and even going into this year, it's defense and it's bigs and they added a Rutgers transfer. They were ranked 203rd nationally in block percentage. That's from Dana O'Neill last year. They really couldn't get anything done around the rim. And then they ended a 6'10", 6, 6'11", 6, 6, guy in Miles Johnson. So that immediately checks that box. Let's spend a little bit of time on Ju Zang because I wrote down his journey for everybody yes, who yes. either doesn't know much about him or doesn't remember this very important note, which is that Juzang sprained his ankle before the last game of the regular season. And Mick Cronin did not play him in the conference tournament. This was the most important part of the season for the Bruins, who are a bubble team. And Johnny Juzang, their best player, didn't play. And they just barely eked it out. They lost in the first round of their conference tournament, but they were able to earn that first four spot. The rest is history. Juzang had 23 points in the game against Michigan State, the first four game, 27 against BYU, 28 points against Michigan UCLA only scored 51 points in that game and (laughs) Juzang had 28 of them and then 29 against Gonzaga and what should have been that dagger layup with three seconds left. He did all of that on an ankle that was so swollen by the end of the game. He could barely stand. He threw the team on his back. I really do believe that UCLA couldn't have got there without those perimeter players, but it's Juzang. This is Johnny Juzang's team. He came Mm -hmm. back because he wants a championship.
1: This game on the Villanova perspective is going to be about Jermaine Samuels and Brandon Slater and how they can kind of defend those big, because Juzang's big, remember, as is Jaquez. Uh, They're going to need just great defensive performances out of the two of them I think it's going to be more Gillespie and more trying to shoot outside and perimeter shots for the offense. But defensively, it's just it's going to be so important from Villanova. We're going to get a, a huge test early to see how the cats can stack up against top competition, because that is exactly what UCLA is going to be all year round. They are that stacked.
0: It's so hard to not get into a Villanova team preview here. because I, I want I to know. talk about every single player's defensive prowess, but I'll keep it short we played the Justin Moore clip from big East media mm-hmm. day about how he really focused on his defensive explosiveness this season. How could this not be the best test of the season to yeah. watch him go against the best point guard or the best guard and the best wing in the country? Like you said, that's the perfect test. You see how Collins leg stacks up. You see if Dixon can be the five that they need against miles, J- miles Johnson. It just goes down the list. Every single, position is going to be a really good matchup and if if we're talking about how Mount St. Mary's is going to be a rock fight I think this one is (laughs) going to be really high score it's a little different (laughs) defense is not the best part of either of these teams to say the least
1: no no I I I don't think so either as you said this is going to go to scoring it's going to be really fun if you can make it up till 2 a.m on that Saturday morning I would recommend it Uh, I'm going to have a couple cups of coffee that day (laughs) (laughs) a
0: nap in between
1: a nap and then hopefully the beer doesn't put me out while I watch it but it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. And for UCLA, too, um, you know, of course, seeking their first title since 1995 and then have to put, throw this in there as well. November 23rd, they play against Gonzaga in the rematch. Oh. Probably the most anticipated game of this year. And uh, oh, what just and thinking about UCLA, even, you know, not from the Villanova perspective, they're going to be a ton of fun to watch just when they play their normal games. Add these two teams together and you've got a chance for an explosive matchup.
0: I think it was the best game I've watched since the Chris Jenkins game. The mm-hmm. 2018 Nova run was obviously incredible, but those games for were different all reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This game was every single possession. It seemed like it switched on a dime. The UCLA Gonzaga game. It was absolute madness to be cliche. But yeah, I can't wait. Mick Cronin Jay Wright is obviously an electric coaching match exactly. too. This is just it's it's UCLA's, it's on UCLA now to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. And they seem to have the attitude that they're putting that behind them. It wasn't a fluke, obviously. And this year, they have the expectations in the ranking to go out and prove it.
1: And if you want to go with the most cliche way to put this matchup, it is the old blue blood against the new blue blood.
0: Oh, Pat, that took it too far. I did. Too cliche. I did. Uh, Professor Bradley
1: back at Villanova would have just dinged me a full letter grade for that. Exactly. (laughs) It was too perfect. No, it is though. It's
0: it's making UCLA back into the powerhouse basketball program that it was years and years ago.
1: Exactly. So that's the one you circle definitely. There are a couple, you know, big ones that we'll get to through here, but Nova UCLA that first Friday night is going to be awesome.
0: Totally. All right, take us into one that you may not have circled, but is still equally important.
1: I would say that you probably haven't circled this one and that'll be 1116 versus Howard it is a 630 p.m. game Howard only went 1 and 4 a year ago that's because the NEAC the the Mid-Eastern Atlantic Conference Athletic Conference excuse me Uh, Did cancel the rest of their season due to COVID complications. Not a ton of data on Howard because of that. Uh, Just looking at Ken Palm, Ken Palm actually projects them to go 17 and 13 this year. So a team to finish over 500 when they did play last year, they were very, very poor on defense, which I think can certainly be a trouble when you're playing a team like Villanova. Most comparable matchup from a year ago was against Belmont. You know, a team that we've seen get into the NCAA tournament a couple times, usually pretty good on offense. Belmont scored 95 on them. Howard finished 337th in defensive efficiency. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got because it's (laughs) tough to draw things off of five games.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say the only bullet I had was that they played five games and went one and four. I Mm -hmm. think those stats go above and beyond our expectations for this game. I can go
1: further than that too. the year before that. They went four and 29. So okay.
0: it's right. not yeah. it's so not a great. House one of those team. games. Yeah. One of those games. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, it's a good measure. measuring stick isn't the right word, but after UCLA win or lose, actually, we didn't even give our predictions. Can we go back to that quickly? Sure. We've gotten UCLA versus Nova.
1: I have UCLA. Yeah,
0: I do too. Okay. So what's we're both saying they're coming off of the loss. This is when you tweak some things
1: yeah, and maybe yeah. you give
0: the the rotation guys extra minutes. That's the, what I see this, this game being. This
1: is your 95 to 52 game uh, yeah. in my opinion, but we'll, we'll see how things Spoiler play out prediction. of course. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but a uh, fun fact about Howard this year too, they play against Villanova. They play against Georgetown and they play against Notre Dame, I believe on MLK day. So uh, you know, some kind of some cool games for them this year.
0: I was actually going to say, I think that's very admirable. And what I think about this entire non-conference schedule for Nova, which is one of the hardest non-conference schedules in the country, there's nothing better than seeing these type of marquee matchups on your schedule. Mm-hmm. And for a school like Howard to play it's a great opportunity. Vol Nova, that's huge. Yeah, yeah they get on Fox it's,
1: Sports too. It's, 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 it's a big, their
0: coach putting confidence. It's playing some really high caliber players. I think it's awesome.
1: I, I do too. So, of course, it's a different type of matchup coming off of the UCLA game. You know, I, I think it's a smart job from, from the coaching staff to schedule it this way. Flying cross-country, playing UCLA, you know, a, a top-two team in the country, and coming back home and, and playing a team that you, you would say Villanova can handle pretty handily, if I want to put those two together. I, I think it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, well said. All right, let's 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 switch gears because we've got another marquee one.
1: Really good game here.
0: Villanova plays number 18, Tennessee. This is at the neutral site. It is the Hall of Fame tip-off classic. I'm excited for Tennessee. Rick Barnes is mm-hmm. in year seven, which kind of seems like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> and fans aren't as happy with him as you might think for a coach that really does have a ton of success. Last year was very that, disappointing. Exactly. Tennessee has such high expectations. That's exactly where I was going to go. And they were not met last year. No. So their recruiting class is unbelievable. Yes, I think that's where I
1: was going. <laughs> a
0: lot of problems. I'll just give you a little taste here. And in an exhibition match this season, Tennessee won 103 to 62. I actually forgot to write down the opponent because I had never heard of them. But their leading scorer, this was what was more important, was Kennedy Chandler, who was Ooh, their five-star that's recruit. That's the big one, yep. And their second five-star recruit, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, had 15 points. Tell me what you think about Kennedy Chandler because he could be one of the best freshmen in the country.
1: Kennedy Chandler is projected to be the best freshman guard in the country this year. Yep. He he was the number one point guard coming in, going to Tennessee. And, and that's the thing with Tennessee. So this is the highest ranked recruiting class, Rick Barnes, not even just Rick Barnes, but Tennessee has ever had. He's got uh, Chandler coming in. As you mentioned, uh, Huntley Hatfield is the one I really want to look at in this game. Cause that's the one that scares me being a 610 five-star power forward who can yeah. shoot. Sounds very similar to a Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's the guy that's going to give Villanova a lot of trouble just you know trying to deal with that size. They've also got a 6'11 freshman who's a top 40 recruit coming in. Um, th- this Tennessee team last year was a major disappointment. They were great on defense, fifth in defensive defensive efficiency, 13th in turnover percentage. They couldn't shoot. They turned the ball over. They had two first-round picks that left. It doesn't matter that they had two first-round picks that left because they he reloaded the roster so so well. This is a scary Tennessee team. This is a different Tennessee team. I think when you think of Tennessee, you usually think of that very veteran latent, you know, physical, pound it type of team. And you will see them go inside, of course, but there's some speed, there's some athleticism on this team, and they're a little younger and they are dangerous.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of the Grant Williams-led Tennessee. Mm, Exactly. That's what I think of. Exactly. That type of player. No, you hit the nail on the head. Chandler was the eighth ranked recruit in the class. And like you said, he could be the best point guard, best freshman point guard in the country. Again, I'll I'll make this Villanova focus because I think it's so poignant. How athletic Jermaine Samuels is and on the Mm -hmm. same side of the coin, how physical he can be against these big fours, because that's what his role is going to be all year. I think Villanova absolutely needs 10 to 15 points from him, if not more in some big games but it's so much more important how he's able to shut down some of these fours and maybe even fives. When we get to that point, Tennessee has never really been big. A crazy stat I saw for four straight years, Tennessee is ranked in the top 50 nationally in field goal percent allowed at the rim. So I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I meant to say they, they have been big in the future. I mean, in the past, and you're right. In this year they're seeming to stock up on the athletic quick guards they're going to boost up that tempo because the offense was in a rut last year yes they were forcing mid-range jumpers and when they wouldn't fall instead of taking it to the rim with the height that they had they just it it was just touch and go and i think we're going to see a really big difference this year from them
1: So if you're looking just for juicy matchups, the idea of the top ranked freshman point guard in the country going to be a one and done against the Wiley fifth year Colin Gillespie. I mean, we're just looking for easy storylines, which is what I pulled from the UCLA blue blood like, oh, that just sells itself, doesn't it? How exciting that's going to be to see those two go up against each other. As I said, Huntley Hatfield's the one that makes me nervous. I do think Villanova wins this game because I think their guard depth and, and ability to score will be enough to beat Tennessee. But again, we talk, we're going to talk about this a couple times throughout this schedule. Like There are some really good teams on this, this non-conference schedule. It's honestly very impressive. Tennessee goes in that top tier. They're not as good as UCLA, of course, but they're just below it.
0: Yeah, I think they are ranked within the top twenty, if not the top top fifteen, all season long. I think mm-hmm. they're going to be a really good team. But also, this early in the schedule, if I was a Tennessee fan, I would be disappointed that they played Villanova so early yeah. because it's going to take a few games for Kennedy Chandler and BHH because it's easier to say. I like that get, you go know that. Yeah, to get into that groove a little bit because with young players anyway, especially high ranked recruits who are just machines in high school getting into the system and the program that rick barnes has in place so i also have villanova in this one i think it's close Mm -hmm. i think if villanova doesn't come out and play really sound defense try and get something done around the rim and if colin and justin moore shoot the lights out i think they're going to be fine but this is a really really exciting one the ucla blue blood might have been cliche Gillespie versus Kennedy Chandler. Oh man, that's that's popcorn. Talk about popcorn.
1: It's it's gonna be good. I will say, you know, for Villanova, it is nice that it's being played at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. So you'd yep. expect to, to have a pretty heavy Villanova crowd at that game. Uh, but otherwise gonna be a, a very difficult matchup. Another great matchup to see how good this Villanova team is, early.
0: Maybe I'll go to that game. I live in Connecticut.
1: I'm I'm thinking about going to that game and I'm in Pennsylvania. Saturday, November 20th. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's a 1 I p.m. Could, game. I could do that, huh? There you go. Be awesome. And it just, I think this is where Villanova's experience comes out too, just mm-hmm. as much against UCLA, against these young players. Gillespie's just going to wear them down. I can see exactly how this game's going to go. It's going to be so frustrating for Kennedy Chandler to see Gillespie every single time he runs down the court. And also, if you're thinking about inexperience, you can correlate that pretty soundly to turnovers. And that's something that Kennedy Chandler is going to have to watch. If he can keep the ball in check, he's going to have a really good season. If he struggles with the assist to turnover ratio, it's going to be hard for Tennessee to be as electric on offense as we might think they can be.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. So this is where things get a little interesting.
1: Yeah. Tough, tough to do a full preview here, but we'll try.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think it's worth it because this could be a really awesome matchup, mm-hmm. but if Villanova beats Tennessee, Tennessee, then they play the winner of the Purdue UNC game, correct?
1: Yes. And if they lose, they play the loser.
0: Exactly. So we'll get we'll get a, a matchup either way. I have a couple of things on Purdue and UNC. You can choose where you want to start.
1: I think let's start with UNC because I think they're the the really interesting one of course with Hubert Davis taking over, you know, 9 seasons as a UNC assistant. Last two years have been rough, you know, in Chapel Hill, yep. 32 and 30 over the last two years. Offense has been downright putrid most of the time uh, and Davis has come in and he's, he's really tried to, to shift things. The words I think he said in like every single press conference I've read by him are shooting and spacing. So very clearly trying to, to do things differently. Um, I, you know, it's an interesting matchup because say, say they do play UNC. I, I feel like Villanova has, you know, the experience and a bunch of the different, just they're at a different level of where this program is. UNC is in kind of a transition mode. At the moment, of course, they're still going to be talented, talented because they're Chapel Hill. Fun thing for them is they actually got Marquette transferred, Dawson Garcia, yeah, if you remember him from him. a year ago. I'm mm-hmm. actually very interested to see how he plays into that. They also added a big shooter from Oklahoma, uh, Brady Manick, who's a 37% uh, shooter from th- career three-point shooter from deep, uh, which is going to really make things a little more interesting for their spacing and better. But I feel like, say, it is UNC, Villanova should be able to handle them.
0: Yeah, but I'm assuming since you said UNC first, you you think it's going to be Purdue?
1: I do think it's going to be Purdue because I, I, I look at UNC so in transition. Purdue. I just look at yeah. UNC in transition, so that's why that I go that way.
0: That is a very important word that you use, though, because if you had said rebuild, I think I would have said, uh, 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 can we ever say that UNC is in rebuild? No. Nope. Right? So they returned four of their five starters. They lost some some high-impact players to the transfer portal, most, most notably Garrison Brooks. I am so excited to see Darson Garcia on the heated day at Marquette. They have a recruit. I actually don't know how to pronounce his name. Armando Bacot. Bacot?
1: Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Any
0: help there? Yeah. I'm not sure. Apologize for that. But all the reports are really, really high on him athletically and physically. And it's Hubert Davis's year. I'm Mm -hmm. really excited to see what he's going to do with the program. Obviously, in the wake of Roy Williams, it's hard to be the second act to that, but it's bringing UNC back to the relevance that it was literally two years ago on our other podcast, Did You Hear? We do craziest stats of the week, and I wish I had in front of me, but you did the stat, Pat, of the last time Duke and UNC weren't ranked. Remember that one? Yeah, that happened
1: last and season think, for the first time. And I, th- I believe it was 40 or 50 years.
0: Yeah. And I think Kentucky was in that too.
1: Yes. Yes, they were.
0: So, so that was just wild. They're always going to be fine because their recruiting classes will always step up. Mm-hmm. Now they just need to add some experience to help right the ship. That's kind of where I stand. On
1: they need some better execution. You know, I'm okay with the new voice coming in. Obviously Roy has been there a while. And I say new voice, of course, Davis has been there for a long time. UNC loves to keep mm-hmm. everything in the family, basically how yep. they do it. Since Dean Smith uh, was, was there, you know, a, a while ago. Uh, so I, I wasn't surprised when going with that. And I think Davis can be a very strong coach for them. Uh, it's just, obviously things are going to look a little different. This is still during the first month of the season of a new regime for them. I think it comes a little too early for an opponent like Villanova. So if it were Nova, I believe that Nova would be able to win that game.
0: I do too. And I think it comes a little too early to play a team that I believe will be a top five team in the country.
1: Top the- five Purdue. on Purdue. Really? I
0: think Purdue I is like them. so... But- Good, and it's mostly just Travion Williams. That's
1: exactly where I was going to go, so go for it. (laughs) Man,
0: I'm trying to think of bigs that are going to be able to match up with Travion Williams, and it is sort such a short list. Maybe Drew Timmy and maybe Mm -hmm. Hunter Dickinson. Anybody else that you want to add right now?
1: Not off the top of my head.
0: Right? It's He is just such a stud. Purdue also returns all five of their starters. They were a four seed last year, and then they had that crazy – upset villanova would have played purdue if purdue was able to get past that i just think purdue presents such a tough matchup for any team because of their really balanced front court and back court
1: no it's fair and we know Painter's one of the best coaches in the country yeah, javion williams exactly. is exactly where i was gonna go 15 and a half points per game 9.1 rebounds per game he's a monster <laughs> was <laughs> he on
0: any all-american list too sorry uh, I, you. I don't
1: I, I don't have it in front of me i'm not sure
0: I'll look it up. I don't think he was, which but I think could be a huge snub. Is he, what, is my
1: yeah, because yeah, he's a stud where I will say with Purdue and, you know, they, they go hot and cold a lot is, is something that we see them run through. And one thing that I, I do think Villanova will be able to really exploit against them is they only shot 33% for, as a team from three last year. That was 189th best in the country. If Villanova's three-point shooting is on, as we know Villanova's three-point shooting is on, I think they'll be able to outshoot them as brutal as a guy like Travion Williams could be.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. You can see Jay Williams trying to exploit that three-point D, and you could see Matt Painter trying to exploit their size difference down yep. low. It's going to be, I think it's going to be back and forth. I would give Purdue the nod if it is Purdue-Nova, but I expect that to be a really good game too.
1: Ooh, I have Nova the nod there.
0: Nova over Purdue? Yeah. Okay. All right, maybe I'll be horribly wrong, and Purdue will not be as good as I think they're going
1: to be. <laughs> no, we'll see. They're they're tough every single year.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, I, like I think them. we're
1: still scarred from the NCAA tournament our junior year as well.
0: Maybe that's it. That's you know probably what? a
1: little bit. Carson of it.
0: Edwards, I still have nightmares about him. My brother actually has his jersey, which just goes against the grain of everything I believe in. I can't be doing yes, that. I know Carson Edwards absolutely torched Villanova. he graduated, <laughs> he's on the Celtics, he's on to bigger and better things. Travion Williams is going to try and go for the wooden this year. That's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, All right.
0: Big five. Let's big get
1: five. into it. 11-28 is the first big five game. It is at the Palestra, which feels so good to be able to say with fans. It is against LaSalle and our old friend Ashley Howard there. LaSalle, you know, since Howard's taken over in 2019, I think you saw some progression from 19 to 20, going from 10 and 21 to 15 and 15. Last year, certainly a step back at 9 and 16. Their leading scores do return in Jack Clark and Sharif Kenny. I say that with leading scores, they averaged under 10 points per game. So definitely it can be a little bit of an offensively challenged team. Uh, Mamadou DeCore joins LaSalle after a couple of years at Rutgers. Uh, intriguing, sure, but this should definitely be Villanova's game.
0: Yeah, I think LaSalle has put up a fight and, and mm-hmm. I really do mean that as a compliment. I think they're still trying to find... Their identity, both on offense and defense, Ashley Howard is still in the early stages of his tenure trying to find that identity. I don't think this one is close, but I do think that LaSalle can can stay in this game at least the beginning and try and mix things up. But this is also where Villanova's experience wins out. And I think this is where you see some rotation minutes expand as well.
1: Big five always tough, you know, especially being at the Palestra. So you certainly don't want to write anyone off. Uh, And also too, it's going to be really nice to play these big five games again this year because, of course, they were not played in 2021. So it will feel good to get back to that stuff. Uh, One other note for them: they do have a player named Jameer Brickus, which may be my favorite name out of any of our uh, (laughs) opponents this year.
0: That was the point. I love that. Yeah, I have made sure to write that
1: down. Jameer Brickus. Uh, <laughs> brick Us
0: <laughs> Brick Us, wow Alright, well hopefully we see some of him, that's awesome Yay. And one of the main reasons why the Big Five Matchups didn't happen last year Was because the University of Pennsylvania Which mm-hmm. v- Villanova will be playing At UPenn on December 1st The Ivy League did not have Any uh, winter sports So UPenn did not have Any games, again, kind of like a Howard situation, not a ton Of info to work off of here
1: no. So 16 and 11, the year before that, how I look at it, if Villanova fans may remember AJ, AJ Brodeur, he has now graduated. He was their best player. The last time these two teams met Jordan Dingle, probably their best player now was 13 points per game and 41% shooting during their last season. Otherwise there's not a lot of holdover since the Ivy league doesn't really do extra years of eligibility. Uh, Lucas Monroe played in all games as a freshman. Michael Wong is a 6'10 center. He missed 19 games through injury. Uh, or excuse me, 19 games, missed 2019 uh, through injury, did play before that. That's about it kind of for information we have on Penn. We know they're very well coached. We know they're a difficult team. They've given Villanova trouble in the past. Otherwise, I don't know how much we can really go off of with them with them not playing at all last year.
0: Yeah, and I actually, I am I feel like I was too harsh on LaSalle. Villanova could drop a big five game. Oh, it's without a before. doubt. It's definitely happened in the past. It's not games that you cross off and think it's an immediate win. I think Villanova gets itself up for these games and obviously the big five tradition and that whole thing. It is just so hard to imagine how a team could be successful after not playing last year. You have young guys. Anyway, that holdover point is really interesting. You don't have a ton of older leadership Mm -hmm. and the chemistry that was lacking last year because of COVID. So it's going to be a tough year for all of these teams all of the Ivy league teams specifically and, and all the teams that had a bunch of layovers from last year, just because of that chemistry point, which I brought up at the beginning, it's no. just, it's, yeah, it's tough to imagine that this game could be anything but a blowout.
1: You're right. I, I'd say what Jay does really well is he does communicate to his team, the importance of the big five and the tradition yes. of the big five and all of that. So I do love how much they stress that because it is important. I think it's important for Villanova, you know, to, to try and win those big five titles every single year. Penn is certainly a team that can cause a little bit of trouble uh, you know, among the opponents that they are playing in the Big Five for for how all the schools are currently constituted. Um, but as you said, Villanova should most certainly have the advantage in these games.
0: I feel the same way, and then and we'll end with St. Joseph's, oh, which well, is... We
1: remember, we got one more at the end. Oh, my gosh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> the weird we, one. We,
0: we both forgot Temple, which is in late December. But yes, the fourth game, Saturday, December 4th, at home versus St. Joseph's. Same kind of thing. I think they're well-coached. I think they'll bring the tempo. I, I just, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I think Villanova's going to come out on top of all these
1: Yeah, things. so we, again, we get to see another old friend there, and Billy Lang, of course, was yep. on the staff, you know, a, a while ago was a a coach with the 76ers, also coached Navy in the, in the mid-2000s. Uh, it has not been pretty at St. Joe's so far while he's been there, six and 26 and five and 15. Uh, They are really real. We talk about up-tempo. You say up-tempo. They are really up-tempo. They -hmm. shoot a ton of threes. Uh, Jordan Hall was a good freshman for them a year ago. So look at him. Taylor Funk is 6'8 forward, shot 147 threes last year. They're going to rain them down. It's just how many of them are they going to hit? But Villanova, of course, physically will have the advantage. Uh, It's This, again, should be Villanova's.
0: I remember watching Taylor Funk last year, Mm -hmm. and he actually had a really good season. I don't remember what situation I saw him play in. It was one of those games at Mohegan Sun, I think, when they were doing those bubbles at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. But Taylor Taylor Funk could shoot. I mean, you could see this be close at the beginning if St. Joe's starts really hot and they can nail a lot of threes and then you just wait for Villanova to get back into its rhythm.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But still, uh, listen, all these big five games are interesting. The St. Joe's game is actually probably the one that I'm, I'm very interested in because of that tempo difference. Cause Villanova likes to run so slow and Lang is going to really push the tempo.
0: And it's going to be a nice test when they do face the St. John's and the Creightons, like we mentioned before, it's going to be a nice test for big East. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to another circle one Tuesday, December 7th. Yes. Syracuse this is the Jimmy V classic this is one that everyone's going to get up for and it's not just because Cole Swider is now <laughs> on the Syracuse Orange again another a really fun story from last year Syracuse made it all the way to the Sweet 16 they did lose four of their top six scorers so it might be more of a transition year than Syracuse would hope coming off of all the momentum from last season but it's the Buddy Beheim show in yep. Syracuse I love him. I think it's absolutely great. He averaged 36 minutes per game last year, just under 18 points per game shot 38% from three 85% from the free throw line, which I think is a really underrated part of his game, how frequently he can get to the Mm -hmm. line. And then you bring in the best recruit that Syracuse has had since 2014. in Benny Williams, Syracuse will always be known for their offense. They will never be known for their defense. I'm gonna say my dig here. That's why Cole Swider went there. Sorry, oh. No, sorry. Oh wow! <laughs> I think it's true though. I think Villanova comes away, but I'm actually really excited to
1: play Syracuse. Yeah, I'm. I'm very pumped for this game. So looking at Syracuse, 18 and 10 a year ago, an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. A uh, couple reasons why this game is so big. First, of course, you know always being that old Big East rival and playing the Bayheims. Second, it is Villanova's first game back at Madison Square Garden with fans. So oh, yeah. I, I think you're going to see a oh that that crowd is going to be fantastic because we know how big Syracuse's fan base is and, and alumni network. you know Villanova's is rather large as well, especially around the garden. That's going to be an incredible atmosphere. And of course, as you put it, it's the Cole Swider Revenge game. Yeah. Um, I know we we didn't really get to talk about it because of course we weren't, you know, on <laughs> on here when it did happen, but if there are Perfect fits. I think Swider and Syracuse is as perfect as it totally, gets. Just totally. being able to to kind of hide him defensively in a zone where he can just cover an area, and not have to work, worry about quickness and being on a man. You know they're going to shoot a ton of threes with him and Bayheim. Uh, I, I think it's really exciting for for that. You add all those things together, and it's going to be a super fun matchup with the being Jimmy V Classic. Uh, Syracuse is saying not known for their defense. You are correct, but they are certainly <laughs> known for their defensive style. uh yep. You know with that two three zone, eighteenth in, in steel percentage from a year ago. And also looking at this, this is the first time these two programs are playing since 2015. So it's a big deal wow. you know, to play Syracuse again, uh, especially being that they used to play them all the time as a big East uh, conference opponent. So I'm really excited for this game. You know, if, if you're not counting the UCLA and Baylors of the world, which are of course going to be the two massive, massive non-conference games, this is the one that gets me most excited after it, just yeah. with the history, the garden, all of that thing's going to be a great night.
0: I feel the same way, and the old Big East, the whole thing—it's—it's it's a big deal. I think for Villanova fans too, and I also think this is important for Villanova because Syracuse isn't super athletic this mm-hmm. year. So I'm excited and curious to see how the conditioning plays into this game. Maybe Jay Wright amps up the tempo a little bit to try and break that defensive rut that Syracuse gets or offensive rut that Syracuse gets a lot of teams into because of their defensive style, that zone that you mentioned. I think guard play is going to be really important here. I think Swider can have a really good season. I I expect him to have a good season. I think he just works on that shot. And if they can feed him the ball on the wing, that's all you can expect. And that's all Villanova fans expected for him. And unfortunately the, the pro, the, cultures just didn't match as well as we hoped they would but i expect mm-hmm. cole swider to have a good season
1: as do i which is why a uh, part of why i think this game is going to be so much fun so this is one i have circled i can't wait for it
0: yeah and the next one
1: and the next one
0: and the next one with
1: the next one the next one against your defending national champion baylor bears what a season that scott drew was able to put together with that team Uh, the one thing to look at though they lost four out of their five starters Jared Butler Teague Davion Mitchell who Davion Mitchell I, I still don't think got the credit he deserved for how good of a player he was at Baylor one of the best defenders in college basketball we've seen this millennium in my personal opinion and my favorite part about all of this Mark Vidal no longer a basketball player is literally in the NFL on the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad. He we everyone made yep. jokes about how big he was and that he would be a football player. Well, guess what? He's actually in the NFL right yep. now.
0: <laughs> I saw that and did a double take and then I did some research. I thought about. it was like, a different oh person God. at first. Like yeah. there's no
1: way that can be the same guy and it was oh wow, it's it's the center from Baylor. He's actually there. It's pretty unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think you will know as you get to know Pat and I better. Pat will develop a few crushes across the course of the season. Yeah, it happens, if you, you know. If you know anything about Pat, you know <laughs> that Davion Mitchell might just top that list. There are a few baseball players uh, that are them. vying for the top spot. But Davion Mitchell last year, Pat, you were just singing his praises. And he didn't get the credit that he deserved because it was on defense where he was just able to stymie every single offensive onslaught that Gonzaga tried to bring on.
1: Well, that's why I had to credit him. I don't care that he's gone. I still had to say how good he was from a year ago. We're bringing it
0: back for Mitchell.
1: Honestly, one of the better defenders since Javon Carter is the other guy that really comes to mind recently. You know, the former West Virginia guard when Villanova played them as, you know, some of the best defenders they've played. Mitchell might've been better than him with just Mm. his athleticism and size and all that. I could gush about Davion Mitchell. We don't have to do that right now, but this is going to be a great game with Baylor. Of course, 28-2, and two, one of the best college basketball teams we've seen in a while, you know, um, from a year ago. Um, things are a little different this year. They've still got some talent, but a lot of their big guys are gone.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts here, and mm-hmm. I don't think you can really talk about this without mentioning the matchup last year where Villanova lost in the semifinal. Yes. They were the best three-point shooting team in the nation last year, Mm -hmm. Baylor was. But that doesn't give enough credit to how well-balanced the entire roster was, and it started with Scott Drew. I mean, Scott Drew made one of the best and most impactful coaching adjustments that any coach arguably made throughout the entire tournament last year. Like I said, Villanova was a Colin Gillespie away from beating Baylor. They were also a half away from beating Baylor. If you remember how insane the first half of that game was, Villanova-Baylor last year, they were shutting them down. They weren't letting them get to the rim. All of those shooters that Pat mentioned, Teague, Jared Butler, and Mitchell, they couldn't hit any shots. And Scott Drew, during halftime, made the adjustment to try and exploit Villanova's weaknesses, which was getting to the rim. So we obviously know how that turned out. I'm actually very happy that Baylor's ranked eighth this year because I don't think there should be any expectation that this team could repeat. And it feels like that's always one of those overdone storylines that we're trying to get the next repeat champions, yes. blah, blah, blah. I don't think we're going to see that same Baylor team. They lost four of those guys. Those were their mainstays. Adam Flagler had 16 points in the championship game last year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be their big guy. Matthew Meyer, That's one of their exactly big guys. Exactly where I
1: was going. He's yeah. going to
0: be a top draft prospect, and then you have Chwama Chachua down low. It's going to be a new look team, but I think when you have Scott Drew, you can just expect success. And who I'm really excited to talk about? We're seeing a familiar face again. Oh, did I steal it from you? <laughs> not
1: not only are you stealing this from me, you have hit every single player that I had written down to mention, and you are about to hit my who I'm most excited to see.
0: I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I you didn't. Know. Look, so, we're on
1: the same page.
0: We are so in tune. James Akinjo Can't is coming back. We're going to see, we're our gonna old see buddy him. Back. Exactly. We're going to see him for the first time since hit. he was the biggest freshman of the year at Georgetown. He averaged 15 points per game at Arizona last year. He's really refining his game. And though he is only six one. He is an offensive firecracker. Oh, I think yes, he's going to he make is. a huge impact this year.
1: I can't wait to see him. So as, as I said, you, you hit all the guys I wanted to look at, in Flagler, Meyer, and uh, it, and uh, Chachua, and Akinjo, excuse me. i i be even tripping up as I look at it. Um, they, they're still going to be very talented. Do no. not get me wrong. This is not the same Baylor team because they lost so much talent. They're going to be able to shoot the three. They've got athleticism. They've got some size in there. And Akinjo is really – he's – he's the difference maker for them. Cause if he can go in and not turn the ball over and be explosive ball handler for them, that's going to cause a lot of trouble for people. And I, I, I like this Baylor team a lot. As you said, I do not think expectations should be, you know, final four type team. This is sweet 16 team though. I, yep. I think so.
0: It definitely feels like last year it was Gonzaga Baylor and everybody else. Yes. And there definitely seems to be a bit more parity this year. I think Baylor is a top 15, if not top 10 team all year long. I think they are a, a tough matchup every single time. I'm very happy that they come at the end of Villanova's non-conference schedule because Definitely. you get a few games under your belt, and then maybe this is when things start really clicking for Villanova. This is when Jay Wright can experiment with the rotation a little bit, which we'll get into a little bit in a second. But you experiment with how Eric Dixon does down low. Maybe you give Jay Patterson some time, and then when you face the big guys at Baylor, you have a little bit more experience to work
1: mm-hmm. with. No, uh, I'm with you. This is going to be a great game. I think Villanova wins it, even though it's on the Ooh. road. This is going to be a big game for Villanova. I, you know, going going back against Baylor from the, you know, that NCAA tournament revenge, I think the Cats win this game. I do. I think Baylor is going to be very, very good this year, but I think this is going to be Villanova's best win of the season.
0: Interesting. I like that. They're at Baylor. So that knocks it down a little bit. A, whole, a road win at Waco. Oh my gosh, what that would do. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'll go Nova too. I think, it, I think this is going to be the toughest game that Villanova plays all year long. Even tougher than UCLA. Ooh. I really do feel like if Villanova wins, this will be their statement game 100%. And it's just firing on all cylinders. It's defensively matching up to Akinjo and Matthew Meyer, who can shoot the lights out. And then it's matching up down low with Chachua. Ooh, it's gonna be it's gonna be marquee. I'm so excited. Coaching matchup is gonna be great. And if Villanova can win this on the road, huge, huge for morale, as they say.
1: Uh, I'm a little nervous that I picked Villanova to lose once so far through this uh, very <laughs> difficult non-conference schedule. But I, I do think they can beat the Baylor one. No, no surprise on a Villanova podcast. You're, you're hearing some Villanova W's pile up.
0: Yeah, I think should we do a floor and a ceiling if for these non-conference games? Sure just saying this off the top of my head so gathering my thoughts i think the ceiling is that they lose one i, I think they, they probably lose to either ucla or baylor and i think the floor losses to baylor ucla maybe you throw tennessee in there if they lose to syracuse i think that would be tough and then maybe the, whatever too. the purdue unc is but i'll say that their floor is four losses
1: yep i uh, think they're
0: somewhere in the middle with two
1: I think that's fair. I think two is probably what the most likely thing is. I look at it as uh, UCLA and Tennessee as matchups that I think are going to give them the, you know, our games they could drop. I do think okay. they're going to be Baylor, if, you know, maybe you flip Baylor in Tennessee there. Yeah. Whatever it is, you got some great games. You also have some very winnable games in there. Um, it, it's a very solid schedule.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. We did miss our last one though. Yeah, one one more more. Big I, I think there's
1: I think there's a reason you went to the one <laughs> ceiling here. I think we feel pretty good about this. Yeah, I don't have too much on this. It's Temple. It is at the pavilion on 1229. They were five and 11 a year ago. They did miss or their season was delayed for over a month with with COVID complications and it wasn't all that pretty once they did start playing. I don't have a ton on them. I, I do have their Ken Palm stuff and it's a lot of red, which is of course not good. Um, yeah. So I, I that's kind of how I look
0: at it. Yeah, no, it, do, it doesn't It does deviate from what I said about the rest of the big five. That's kind yeah. of how I put it. It's tough to create momentum when you have a season like that this year. Hopefully for Penn and for Temple, the teams that really had little to no seasons, Howard too, this is their year when they get back mm-hmm. into the rhythm and they start to build some momentum for the future
1: no and to be fair to them they were 110th in in defensive efficiency which is you know close to average really when you think about Middle all the, of the teams pack. Yeah. exactly they they were 48th in effective field goal percentage against 17th in two point percentage against so they can defend a little bit um they're definitely offensively challenged um it, It's at the pavilion, you know, it's right before New Year's and the big game, I believe, against Seton Hall on, on January 1st. So it's a little bit of weird timing, as we talked about as well, sandwiched between conference games. You would think Villanova should be able to handle their business.
0: Yeah, I think there are definitely a lot of opportunities for Villanova to flex its muscles across its non-conference schedule. Mm -hmm. And there are just as many opportunities to flex its muscles by beating really, really high caliber teams that could make it all the way to the Sweet 16 or the Final Four. So it's an excellent mix. I'm so
1: excited for it. It's it's great. I I am very happy with the non-conference schedule and that it is challenging that you do have games, you know, against UCLA, against Tennessee, against a Purdue or UNC. You know, Syracuse is a fun game. Baylor, of course, is one of the premier programs in college basketball last couple of years. It's it's great to see that sort of schedule built out. And what I think that tells you is that Jay has a lot of confidence in this team because he's not putting a team that is not ready for this moment against all of these tough non-conference teams.
0: And how can you not be with Mm -hmm. the roster you have, with the experience, with the leadership that you have coming off of a really improbable uh, sweet 16 run last year, a really strong tournament run. I think there's a lot to be excited about here. And like you said, nothing instills confidence more than having to play against the premier programs in college basketball. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta play the big boys to be able to prove that you can hang with them and get that, top four ranking that, the, that Villanova has right now.
1: Yeah. The goal of this, this schedule very clearly is to leave no doubt in the committee's mind come March. that, yes. that Villanova has, you know, solid wins to their resume and can get put in the Wells Fargo center as a possibility for the, the regional final.
0: <laughs> I feel the same way. And that would be so awesome. So yes. I really hope that's the
1: ending. Yeah, I, I do too, but that's the non-conference schedule. We went through every single school that they will be going up against a little bit on each of them. Um, Can't wait to get this thing all started uh, just uh, a week from now.
0: Yeah, it's coming up so quickly. Mount St. Mary's, November 9th tip-off game. That'll be an exciting one. We have our Big East Conference schedule breakdown coming out on Thursday. Make sure to mark your calendars for that. That's going to be fun. But before we go, we have some mailbag questions that we want to get to. I think in the future, Pat and I decided we're going to do mailbags on Thursdays Mm -hmm. to close out the week, but we wanted to – give people the opportunity to ask some questions now uh, as we get the non-conference underway here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you have questions, we, we did tweet it out earlier today. You can just reply to that or tweet us at any time this week and we can answer it on Thursday. But I do think moving forward, we're going to end our weeks with some mailbags just as a way to, uh, to get everyone involved, which will be really fun. So we have these questions from John Palme here. John, I'm so sorry if I butchered your last name. First question, what were your majors and are you working in that field now?
0: Yeah, I love that. I like I that you too. Put the little the little twist on learning more about us too. I think this is a great opportunity. So thank you, John.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: So I was an English major at Nova, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I reading and writing are two of my my favorite things. And right now, I actually work at NBC Sports. I'm a digital editor, so I create content for NBC's affiliates. So a lot of writing skills, a lot of reading skills, and comprehensive analysis and having the the wits really to talk to some of the affiliates across the country. So I'm definitely doing what I hoped I would be doing after school and putting those English skills to the test for sure.
1: Ooh, absolutely. And I was an economics major. I was a political science and communication minor. I also, as we, you know, we talked about last week, I, I was the sports director at WXVU. So that's where I got a lot of this radio experience from and, and all things like that. Uh, I work in pharmaceuticals now. So I guess you know I am around some economical <laughs> portions of it. Uh, and then I do all of our, our sports stuff here at night. So certainly a balance, but you know, that's how it was at school.
0: Yeah. You put on different hats, different times. Of the day. I
1: put on many different hats throughout my days. <laughs> Question two, favorite local watering hole near campus.
0: I'll give you that one first.
1: Well, I mean, of course you have to go with Kelly's if you want to go with the, you know, the easy one that, uh, Emma and I were definitely at a, a few times um, <laughs> through through our time favorite. at Villanova. Uh, I, I if we go a little further out than that, I really love Great American Pub, which is not too mm. far out in uh, out in Wayne, down Lancaster. Really awesome restaurant, some good food there.
0: Yeah, it was different for us because the bar scene was much more limited than it seemed to have been in the past. Mm-hmm. So really, yes, Kelly's multiple was closings the spot. by the time
1: yeah we got there in sixteen.
0: Yeah, so it was flips and Kelly's and then a little bit of the grog. So Kelly's was my runaway favorite there too.
1: There you go. Very, very solid. And then starting five predictions, uh, I said beside the obvious three and maybe a sixth man.
0: Yeah. So the obvious three is Colin Gillespie, Justin Moore, Jermaine Samuels, two of those being the, the fifth men back. I am going to go with Caleb Daniels and Eric Dixon to round Mm -hmm. out the starting five. I am pretty certain that Eric Dixon will be the starting five and i maybe there's a little bit of deviance when it comes to the Caleb Daniels spot but I think based off the season we saw from Daniels last year which we will of course get into as we talk about the Big East Conference and the the team preview as we get into the season I think if Wright stuck with him then then you might as well stick with him at least for the season opener this year he has another season. He has more experience with the program under his belt. And I think this is the year where we really expect the scoring to come along with Caleb's Daniels game. And I think I mentioned this in the, the season opener, the premiere last week. I think Brandon Slater could be the mm-hmm. sixth man. And I think if he has any sort of offensive additions to his game, he could be a really impact player and push Villanova from a really, really good team to a final four team.
1: Uh, I I like that a lot. So I do agree with you. I think when this thing lines up November 9th, we are going to see the Gillespie, Moore, Samuels, Daniels, Dixon lineup, though the lineup that I think is going to be most effective this year is going to be Gillespie, Moore, Daniels, Samuels, and Slater. I want them to play smaller. Ooh. I want Slater in that lineup. I think Slater and Samuels still give you enough size to be able to play, you know, where they'll be okay underneath yes the bigger guys will of course have the size advantage. Daniels is not a small guy either. Um I'm very excited by the potential of that lineup. And then, if I'm looking for someone off the bench, someone that doesn't get talked about very often, I think Chris Archdiacono really came along last year. Yeah. I think Jay really trusts him when he's going to spell Colin and look for a true ball handler. He's going to go to Chris. I think Chris is going to play more minutes than a lot of people are thinking about this year. Uh, You know, uh, we've heard Jay talk about that that Chris's shooting has improved throughout the offseason, which is great. I'd like to see him actually become a little more aggressive and put up some shots. Cause he passed up a lot of open opportunities a year ago when he started to get those opportunities. I I really think Chris Archdiacono has a chance to, to make an impact on this team.
0: I hope people are cheering when they hear that. I hope I'm so cheering. too. <laughs> How could you not love what Chris Archdiacono adds to this team? It's amazing. You said the word aggressive, resilient is a word I would use Mm -hmm. to describe him. It might not be aggressive on the scoring end, but what he brings on defense, he's sliding into the nets. It's just so similar to what his brother did. And we know how much of an impact Ryan had on this program. Brian Antoine's another guy. If he can get healthy quickly, he's going to have a huge impact off the bench. Trey Patterson, we've talked about him. If they want to go smaller again, this non-conference schedule is so so great to work with because Jay Wright can work with all these rotations and Villanova has a lot of depth this year, which isn't always the first word that comes to mind when you describe this program. So it's going to be really fun and exciting to see which rotation works best. Who is going to come off the bench next? Are we going to go bigger? Are we going to go smaller? And how are all these guys going to play with each other? I'm so
1: excited. Seven days away from those questions starting to get answered. We are so so close
0: <laughs> yeah. and we're just getting into it again we are so excited to be here thanks again to Chris and Eugene thank you to everybody who's listening we're so excited to take over the reins and we can't wait for you to come along this ride with us and get to know us and hopefully root for this awesome run that was about to put up
1: ah uh, you beat me too I was just say thank you for everyone coming back and listening and giving us a chance here on our first yeah. episode without Chris and Eugene Of course, Chris and Eugene are amazing. They've done unbelievable things and we really appreciate you giving us a chance as well. But thank you for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and follow us on Twitter at Emma underscore Houghton nine at PZang15 and at State of the Nova Nation pod, S-O-N-N pod. Uh, We'll be back at it with the Big E conference preview on Thursday and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.